Hi, this is Alexi Hartwell with another episode of Insights from the Road of Life. This morning I woke up a little after three in the morning and I went outside and old memories surfaced, trauma. And I wondered, you know, does anyone really understand the pain and suffering that are inflicted on one another, that we inflict upon each other. Even now with all the the work that I have done, you know, most actions are, you know, are a reaction or a knee-jerk reaction to lash out and hurt someone because they've either physically or emotionally, you know, hurt us, but they actually, they're in pain. And, you know, much like a wounded animal or something that is trapped, what does it do? It, you know, will fight its way out of the corner. But with this emotional and physical pain that many experience on so many levels, you know, the duality is, is playing out, I guess. And because it was so early in the morning, you know, I heard a noise. I heard a car door. And what sounded like a, you know, a dog, an animal. And so, being a female, you know, I got a little bit worried or concerned. And I came inside. <coughs> Excuse me. And sat down again and wondered, you know, whether other people have it right by ignoring their pain and stuffing it down. And I know I've done this for years. And wondering how would I be different if I had never known about um, the loss of life of my sister or my own trauma. And while I may have had breadcrumbs or, you know, some little thoughts of some of the abuse growing up, I really did not become aware of it until I was 58 years old, which changed my whole landscape. However, um, you know, how different would my life have been had I continued to be oblivious to what had happened. You know, would I be happier? Would I be doing something that I loved? Or would I have a family? Would I have, you know, still walked away at some point? I think my point being is that, you know, each of us determines what's right for us. And it's kind of like both sides of the coin, or all sides of the coin, that, you know, there's, there's more than one way at the moment to deal with things. You know, there's so many increments or levels between both ends of the spectrum, totally ignoring it and taking the bull by the horns, so to speak, and dealing with it. And it made me wonder if everyone is just wanting revenge for the injustices, you know, that every, that most or some or all, depending, have experienced in their lives. And is this what the collective feeling of anguish is at the moment. Is this what we are all feeling? Is that collective injustice for, you know, what hasn't worked well in our lives, what's currently not working well in our lives? And what, <clears throat> excuse me, while I know that my power truly is in this moment 
you know, anything that happened, even whatever, what happened yesterday, is done. Um, I can't go back and change it. My power, I believe anyone's power, is always in this current moment. You know, we all like to do things, and my liking to write or not write, as the case may be, um, some of it having to do with somebody else telling me in this in this sense that somebody else is my higher self, my intuition, the divine within me telling me to write, and me just flat right out not wanting to do what somebody else is telling me to do. And you know, quite a that's my ego. But also knowing that um, there are some alternatives. And, and while I do write, and a lot of what I am saying now is, is what I wrote earlier this morning, that in some ways it's much easier for me to speak than to write it like in a book format, at least for the time being. Each of us has something that we're passionate about, and it is following that, what are we passionate about? Not from an ego point of view, but from something that, you know, just really lights us up, that, you know, makes us want to jump out of bed in the morning. And I have um, done a lot of reflection, introspection um, about my own family dynamics and recognizing, you know, jealousy and greed and power and control and all of these things, all of these feelings. Um, you know, what's the difference between envy and jealousy? And I'm going to say it's kind of the degrees of separation. Um, you know, you can envy somebody and say, wow, what must it feel like to, to go on a trip like that? Or, you know, without being snarky about it, I guess that's for me, that's what it is. And jealousy I think my understanding, my belief, if you will, is when you personally don't think that you're capable of doing or achieving or having whatever it is that you see and want. And then it gets to the degree of resentment that you hold, you know, against that person and, you know, whether it, you know, what kind of a path it sets you on. Meaning, do you stay in a state of jealousy and resentment and revenge, if you will, um, because this person has this, that, or the other? You know, but in consideration, have you thought or even asked what that person did? You know, how was it that they were able to be successful or to achieve X, Y, Z? Often we are jealous. without realizing, you know, some of the sacrifices that that person or those persons undertook to get them to where they're at. So it feels like to me there is this collective rage that's bubbling up. And like any energy, 
it will find um, a way to release. You know, if you know anything about stored energy, sooner or later, it's going to find some little gap and it's going to release. And you can either control it or it can be an uncontrolled force. Kind of like that pressure cooker, if you can imagine that. Letting off steam. And I think that's truly what's happening all over the world, is that collective rage that we've held down for years, for generations. Um, you know, the oppression, the, the being tired of being told what to do and when to do it. And... Just wanting to be heard and acknowledged. But until, you know, we recognize that we want to be heard and acknowledged, do we also need to hear and acknowledge, you know, others? This inherited ancestral pain and suffering is all part of it, in my humble opinion. You know, the the pain and suffering that have taken place in all of the, the wars, the conflicts, the police actions, the famines, the societal injustices, they're all coming up. And like, everybody's crying, no more. <clears throat> and it made me think of some of the sayings that I had heard um, growing up. No use crying over spilled milk. Or my father telling me, you know, to move my life forward. And, of course, I always wondered what the heck he was talking about. Little did I know. Or, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Any number of sayings. Um, and we've all played by the rules and attempted to be good, perfect as we, as we knew how or know how and you know being able to to get along and fit in and you know all of this is just crying to be released and the the hurt the pain the rage of the collective silence and of being si um, the collective rage of being silenced and also being silent is just no longer acceptable, I think, to any of us. And, you know, it, it varies between um, what that feels like and looks like for men and what it looks like and feels like for women. And then it gets even more different um, based on culture and, and color and just, you know, there's so many facets like a diamond to this, to this rage, this collective being silent and being silenced. And it almost feels like there's this overwhelming feeling of being helpless. Helpless to change anything because it feels daunting and overwhelming. Um, and a feeling of it's someone's fault. We want, you know, we want it to be someone's fault. We really do. Um, and somebody needs to fix it. Somebody needs to fix this and make it right. But we often don't see our individual part in the whole. Our silence and being silenced of giving away our own power to those that we trusted to do right by us. And somehow or another we've lost our ability to discern. And I think as a result, this overwhelming collective feeling of 
broken trust. And when there's broken trust, then, you know, there's a, a feeling of hopelessness. How can I trust again? Will I ever experience or know, you know, true happiness or peace or safety or security? And for each person right now, it's going to be different. What I know for me is that, you know, silence is really no longer an option. No more silence in order to make others feel or be comfortable or to keep the peace or to not make waves. And I think each of us are being asked to go within to channel this rage, this hurt, this pain, this grief and sadness in ways that will truly help all of humanity. And even knowing that we have to help ourselves before we can help somebody else. But not staying in that that me state. And I think so many of us, and I know I, I get in the waiting pool of the me pool when I call the me pool. What about poor me? <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I get out and go, okay. What about all of humanity, right? How do they feel? It's not always about me. Um, but we want it to be about me. So it's what can I do to make the world, my community, you know, a better place? What can you do? How can I make a difference so that, you know, the sons and daughters, my sons and daughters, their sons and daughters don't have to experience what I have. And I know it's different for each of us. Um, white, black, yellow, brown, red, purple, pink. Um, for me, I really don't... Um, I don't want to say that I don't honor the, the appearance of others. I just see past what I call the meat suits to what we are underneath it all. You know, do we take everything so personally that we make it about us, our race, our hair, our eye color, our religious beliefs, our whatever. Um, you know, have we forgotten how to just honor each other? Just as an individual, just as a person, that they're alive. Do we even honor ourselves? You know, there's a lot of schools of thought about getting in touch with yourself. Some people don't want to do it. You can't force a horse to drink. You can lead it, but you can't force it to drink. But how, how can we get in touch with other people if we don't get in touch with ourselves? You know, we've forgotten how to feel. I forgot how to feel for almost 60 years, and I'm still working on it, honestly. Being able to identify my feelings, you know, the, the anger, the grief, the sadness, um... Because growing up, I wasn't allowed to feel. I wasn't allowed to have an opinion, um, speak only when spoken to. And I could go on and on. But basically, you know, I had this 
frustration of not being able to speak that has built in me unknowingly throughout my life. So how often and how frequently do we do that to ourselves and how often do we do it to other people? You know, I was deadened to my to my own emotions. Um, I didn't have a voice, and I've been silent and silenced for a good portion of my life, afraid to to voice my thoughts and opinions because they would either be rejected or there were some other form of unwanted behaviors or actions that usually kept me quiet. And I think, you know, so many are tired of their contributions not being valued or even just being valued because I exist. And I know that I wasn't valued um, in ways that were meaningful for me. I didn't feel valued as a sister, a daughter, a wife, a mother, even an employee, you know, feeling discounted and gaslighted at every turn and every closed door with frustration building and momentum over the years. And each time I kept shoving my own emotions and feelings aside, and even at times on this I won't, I'll refer to it as a spiritual journey, but it's been much more than that. It's just been a journey of getting to know me. Um, that what I was feeling, because I'm supposed to be, you know, a force of love, and I'm supposed to be a good girl, do what I'm told, or, you know, you're supposed to be a good boy and do what you're told. And, you know, to some of that, I have a, a resounding... F that because I have to acknowledge that my feelings are valid doesn't mean anybody has to agree with it just means my experiences my feelings around a certain excuse me a certain subject or event are valid for me now and also is finding an acceptable outlet for some of that rage instead of me spewing hate and vitriol over the first person who happens to cross my path. Um, I mean, most of the time my rage and feelings have been sitting or standing in nature or in my car. <clears throat> and having a conversation. And so as you can tell, every time I have to clear my throat is that I'm not used to using my voice. I am still acclimating to using my voice. You know, we've often accepted what we've been told through our schools, our parents, our media. Government is truth. And truly, you know, what we've all experienced recently is that everybody has their own version of what the truth is. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think we as individuals need to go within to determine who is actually speaking the truth, um, the tr a truth, the truth of what is good for me and others. Um, because it's so easy to just automatically accept that what's on the news or what's in the newspaper or what's on social media, Twitter and Facebook, all of it is being quote-unquote truth. And, you know, this is where each of us 
really has to use discernment. You know, and I'm reminded, I think many of us are reminded as things are coming to the surface that a lot of information has been quote-unquote kept from us. And I think, you know, in some ways it was, it's like a parent trying to protect their child from, you know, information that either is not age-appropriate for them or we don't want to explain or we don't want them to be afraid. And I think, you know, this is true of what's been happening is that the media or government may have skewed or kept some facts quiet as a form of protection. And I'm not necessarily saying I agree with it because, you know, it's always about somebody's motivation, underlying motivation. Sometimes it's to protect. Sometimes it may be to deceive. But... um, you know, it's kind of like that hot stove. Sometimes you, you just have to touch that stove once to go, okay, you know, got it. Other other times you get a little close to the fire, right, but it, you don't get burned until sometime later. In recently, I guess another example of that is um, a kitten that you could say rescued me I rescued it um, was spayed and brought her home and trying to um, lock her up has been quite a challenge I mean it took us months to, to build up this mutual trust with each other so after spending a couple of days in the vet's office she she wasn't very happy with me and not very trusting, so I couldn't get her into a closed room. And she's jumping and doing all kinds of things that she's not supposed to do. And I'm trying to chase her because, right, I know she's not supposed to be jumping and all of that. And then she just jumped more. So I'm like, you know what? Sooner or later, her body's going to tell her, I can't do this anymore. It hurts. Um... You know, I think we've forgotten that our own internal GPS, our own internal voices, our bodies are always telling us if somebody's energy um, is off or, you know, this food doesn't agree with us, but we have just deadened ourselves and ignored what our instincts have been telling us. And so, you know, I just got to that point with magic that, you know what, cat, you survived big animals mauling you as, you know, probably a three or four week old kitten. You can figure this out on your own. You don't need me to be telling you when your body hurts. I can't because I'm not in her body. I'm in my body. So are we ignoring our own internal GPS systems, our own internal feelings? Have we just become so deadened and so used to somebody else taking care of us telling us what to think, what to feel, what not to feel. You know, sooner or later, something, something's got to give. Your body gives. Um, family situations give. Relationships give. When we ignore ourselves and the signs that we are receiving, listening to our own inner voices. And I know well enough that 
you know, I push my body beyond exhaustion and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And it just took me out of the game. It's like, okay, you've ignored me. You've not listened. Guess what? You're out. Um, you know, a lot of that had to do with not acknowledging my feelings, not speaking up, not not having to be snarky or mean or yelling at somebody, but just voicing my opinions. And I think, you know, this is the place where we all need to get to, is being able to voice an opinion, make a statement without taking it so personally as to, you know, like physically coming to blows. Because, you know, truthfully, if we're frustrated, we're frustrated with ourselves. That person, that conversation, that situation just was our trigger. And, you know, our pent-up energy is looking for a release. And quite often... That releases, you know, somebody handy or, you know, people we know and even people we don't. And, you know, collectively just making someone or a group of someone's our scapegoat. Now, there are times when, you know, behaviors are not appropriate but we have to be careful because when we as an individual broad brush an entire group of people for doing wrong you know the same could be said for us so it's the actions of a few do not necessarily make up the whole. That, you know, one or two bad apples in the barrel kind of thing. And, you know, truthfully, we've just kept quiet. We've tamped it down, hoped it would go away, something would change. Somebody else would make it happen, and it didn't. And, you know, unfortunately, for many, the loss of life, you know, is the trigger. The injustices. And we're all screaming about our own individual rights. And now we're back into that me waiting pool. And, um, you know, something, something has to give. We have to, you know, find our voices find ways to find that balance because if we've been silent and we've by our silence we have silently agreed to the behaviors to the actions of others because we have always had a choice to speak up, regardless of color, regardless of gender. We've always had a choice. But we, you know, have also become like those, the sheep. We just kind of blindly follow um, because we've been told that's how we're supposed to be killing harming anyone anything is just not 
acceptable. And I think, you know, police officers are afraid, community, community members and people of color are afraid. And the Asian community, I mean, everybody's afraid of each other. And this, I think, collective you-can't-make-me attitude now is providing a perfect storm for chaos. We blame groups of people for our fears, fear of being harmed by the police, police fear of being harmed by people of color. Um, and so now everybody's like, in that fight-or-flight mode. The blame for the pandemic on um, the rhetoric, um, you know, blaming Asian cultures and wanting somebody else to be at fault. And, you know, truthfully, it doesn't matter who's at fault. You know, what... I don't know whether there's an ex expectation of reparation um, it just always seems to be an expectation or projecting you know our own inadequacies and insecurities and injustices on some unsuspecting person event thing I think we've lost the ability to be tolerant of different, of noise, of anything and every, everyone. Um, you know, we take offense at, like, the slightest thing and expect that everybody else should change to accommodate me. And, you know, I mean, that's just not, and I use the me as a collective me, the collective individual me, if you will. You know, and for some, we're walking on eggshells. And we need, in my humble opinion, to come to the table and have an honest and authentic conversation but instead we shoot first and ask questions later and people are being killed before they can kill us and you know this is where we are we use words we use weapons to shoot first to accuse before we seek to understand. And can we do better? Yeah, we can. But it also takes work and it takes a, a conscious effort to sit down and assess individual, my individual feelings. How do I feel about this particular situation? How do I feel about what happened to me and how does this show up in me, in the world? <clears throat> you know, what are my own personal biases and what irks me? And, you know, what is it either about other cultures or people that are my triggers? You know, because honestly, whatever triggers you in somebody else exists within you. So if you're blaming other people for being jealous, that jealousy exists within you. So we have to really take a look at, you know, what are our own personal triggers? And even having control over, I think as I said earlier, spewing 
hatred and vitriol on, you know, an unsuspecting person. You know, why do you feel jealous? Why are you feeling envy? You know, what what is it that, why do you think that you can't have what makes, you know, what that person has? Or what makes you think that you don't have it in you? It's not available to you. And even acknowledging the hard work and effort by those that are successful and who have achieved what, you know, what you'd like to, to even ask them. And to ask ourselves, you know, do you consider the consequences of your actions towards, your actions and words towards yourself, towards others, to other people? Um, you know, why should someone else care about your feelings and thoughts and opinions if you don't care about theirs? If you can't see the other side or point of view, you know, then basically you're part of the problem and not part of the solution. And until we can stop and look at it here, both sides, all sides of a story, a conflict, or a situation, um, and finding compassion, are we going to continue to be in conflict with ourselves and each other? You know, there seems to always be this, I have to win. Someone has to win and someone has to lose. You know, somebody has to be stronger and mightier and, and more influ influential and more powerful. And, and honestly, with that type of thinking, no one wins. No one wins. Everybody loses. If we can't stop... And be open to listening to the viewpoints because, you know, quite simply, no one has walked in anybody's shoes. No one. Each person's shoes are perfect for them, but they don't fit somebody else as perfectly as they fit you. I think at times we need to come, we need to get off our high horses and we've all, every single person, color, gender, we all have our own high horses. Come out of our ivory towers or whatever you want to call it and understand that I am not any more special than the next person. And I can tell you that with what I experienced, and even recently, you know, there were times when I wanted to feel that I was more special because of what happened to me or that I was more spiritually evolved. Um, only in... To really be humbled, there's no other way around it. That, you know what, the sun's going to rise, whether I'm here or not. The earth is going to continue to evolve, whether I'm here or not. So no one is above or below me. No one is above or below you. We are actually all equal. Planet's going to spin regardless. And at some point, in finding our voices, you know, we need to release our fear of retaliation. And even, you know, not retaliating because somebody's telling us what to do. It's like, come on. This is the ego, the child going, you can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. Um, 
who do you think you are, my father or my mother or whatever is the, is the case. Um, and I, you're not the boss of me. You know, truthfully, none of us get off this planet alive. You know, my view of death is that it's not permanent. My physical body isn't inhabited anymore, but I still exist. You know, I mean, it talks, all of the religious texts, life is eternal. I came from stardust, and I'm going to return to dust, right? None of us get off this planet alive. Take a moment and step step outside your label. You know that, what do you think it is? Or why do you think that your life means more than the life of somebody else? Or that you are more special than someone else? That would be the ego. That would be I have to be right and somebody else has to be wrong. I have to win. Somebody has to lose. Are you perpetuating that in your own discourse within your own family or communities? You know, how can you find or strike balance? Do you feel that you are owed something for your suffering? Your parents owe you, your company that you work for owes you, or the government owes you. How many excuses do you tell yourself that, you know, something isn't possible or it's too hard? Or how many times have you looked at someone and judged that they had it easy? Are you willing to take responsibility for you, your actions, or inactions, and start, you know, stop blaming and start planning? It's never too late to dream. And you have to be the one who is willing to put in the effort and see possibilities instead of lack. The universe is a very abundant place. There is more than enough for everyone. But somehow or another, we think that there's lack. You know, we see lack. And we see somebody that has more. But it, it really is all in how we look at things. Um, law of attraction, natural laws. The world is actually a very abundant place. You know, talk to those that you envy or that are successful. How did they do it? Um, you know, there's a wealth of information in books. It really just depends on you. Change. If you want more out of your life, you want to make change, then you have to be the one to start, and it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with me changing me. Because I can't change somebody else. I can't change how they think. I can't change how they act. They will only change if I change. Get your nose out of the phone, out of the TV set, out of your own dysfunction, um, and decide what it is that you do want. You have to be the one 
who wants to change, who wants more for themselves. Um, and, it, and it does start with, you know, being grateful for what you have right here, right now. But also planning and finding ways to achieve what it is that you want. Do you think that other people are supposed to get you? Do you have an expectation that other people get us? Regardless of gender, or culture, or color, or class. I think we have this expectation that people understand and get us or that they are supposed to. We have these expectations and they're honestly quite all in our own heads. But we have these expectations of others, but do we have the same expectations for ourselves? We want others to bend to our will, to do and to think and to act like we do. But are we willing to also be flexible, you know, to others? And I, you know, this is gender, I think this crosses gender, cultural, um, we expect people to accommodate us, our religions, our um, way of life, our beliefs, but we're not willing to bend or at least have an understanding, not saying agree to, just an understanding of someone that is different. All these unvoiced and unwritten expectations expect you to speak the same language or expect you to have the same religion and the same beliefs. And we don't. I mean, I've done a, a a little bit of traveling. A lot of traveling for me, you know, it's everything is relevant to the person. Um, outside the country, the islands, um, Central America, the United States. But, um, you know, there's such... A difference. And everywhere I've gone, you know, I've been the outsider, even in the United States, whether by the accent or even by looks. So how often do we expect others to treat us you know, the way we want to be treated. And do you treat them, you know, as people, as, as you want to be treated? We all want to be accommodated wherever we go. But often we're not willing to extend those same accommodations to others. And I think we carry our biases like suitcases filled with all that we've accumulated over lifetimes. You know, however long or short our life has been, sometimes the shorter has less baggage. Sometimes, actually, somebody who's been here longer has less baggage than, you know, somebody who's only lived a few years. You know, I've done my best to release a lot of my baggages, a lot of my suitcases, both literally and figuratively. And find that it's a whole lot freer not having a whole lot of stuff, if you will. You know, there's so many things that have changed. Um, 
over the years, some of us can't remember a time when there weren't cell phones and iPhones and Xboxes and video games and computers. And some of us are old enough to remember landlines and party lines and the first spaceship. And now, you know, we've landed on Mars, which was unheard of in the 60s. Um, And when televisions were only in black and white, and there were only, what, three stations at the time? And what do we have now? And when kids were able to play until the streetlights came on. There's such a collective fear. with anyone and anything that does not look like, act like, believe like us, because we are the collective us. In my family, I was probably considered or labeled the liberal. Even my friends will label me liberal. And I don't label myself that way because I have some um, views that are potentially more traditional. But I have what I like to think is a, you know, a respect. I may not understand the reasons behind somebody's beliefs doesn't mean I have to agree with them, but I can respect that those rights, as long as they don't harm someone, right, um, they're right for them. You know, so much has changed in our world, but so much has stayed the same. We bring things to the surface, and we kind of put a band-aid over it and eventually the wound kind of heals again but the scars are still there until you know something causes that same spot to be opened again that same wound And we know that what we thought was working wasn't. What are we continuing to perpetuate from our ancestors? And what is it that we ourselves are willing to do to change, to make a difference in relationships everywhere? You know, where's where's your line in the sand? Because your line in the sand may be very different than my line in the sand. Um, But, you know, truly having a respect for me as a person, regardless of what my sexual preference or my political preferences or whatever... Because if you take all of that away, just discard it, Um, for me, it's how you treat me and how I treat you. I I don't have to agree with who you support or your beliefs, but if you treat me with respect I extend the same respect to you I think there's space for a healthy discourse for all of us and it's going to require that we leave our egos at the door 
and leaving our need to prove that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Um, I think somewhere in the, the mix and the chaos, there's a balance and there's a field according to Rumi where we can meet. Can you or will you lay your rightness down and meet me in the field? <laughs>